So, Lucy, how's the book going? I have officially started draft two. This is Right Place, Right Time, and we are forever revising. Remotely, even though I originally kind of planned to be back in classes, but it's whatever. It's an interesting term so far. <laughs> like, God, one thing I'd forgotten about college is that you have to adjust your schedule and your way of doing things basically every three months. I don't love it. <laughs> I miss having a consistent schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is actually really funny because I remember when I got my first full-time job after grad school, it was really strange to realize my schedule was basically just going to be the same forever, and I like <laughs> did not like that. <laughs> but oh well, life is an ever-evolving adventure, Avin. <laughs> it is. So how are you doing? <laughs> my life is a total disaster right now. I'm so tired and like I'm sad because my beloved rat Max is not doing well. And I mean, we've thought for like a month that he was going to die any moment and he's still here and he's with me right now as I'm recording, which is very nice. But it's still just like it's really rough to see anyone or anything that you love wind down. But at the same time, I like, I don't know, I had like a conflicts of deadlines and all this hurry up and wait with like every project that I'm doing. And I'm just so tired. Like, I really want to just paint and write. Like, it's October. <laughs> it is the perfect time to be working on a ghost book. And I want to just enjoy that. Um, as of this recording, I finished up most of the things that are tearing me away from my Halloween month reverie. So hopefully I'll get to balance working on fun projects with soaking up my favorite time of year. If I were the <laughs> charging crystals type, this is when I'd do it. <laughs> yeah, I am also feeling too stressed and overwhelmed by, like, everything to fully appreciate this time of year, which is also my favorite, and it's a bummer, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> yes. But it being October means it's almost November, which brings us to our topic for today. <laughs> Since we've switched to a one-month release schedule, this is our only chance to talk about NaNoWriMo before it starts. So I'm going to do that for just a bit here. We'll see. I don't know how long it will take. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. Lucy, this is this is like, this is kind of your bag, so. It is. Let's go. Okay, so f- so first I want to do a very brief description for new listeners of like what this is. Um, November is National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, in which people challenge themselves to write a 50,000 word novel or novella really in 30 days. If you complete the challenge, as in you make that word count, you have one nano, but I think it's a very worthwhile challenge even if you don't make it to that 50k mark, because you're almost certainly have written more in November than you would have without doing nano. At least in most senses, I would have usually. Definitely. <laughs> there is a lot of support during the month to help you get to that goal. There's a website where you can chronicle your adventure and keep track of your word count and confirm your final word count at the end, and a huge community running write-ins, word sprints, prompts, and so forth. And the whole ethos of the challenge is to silence your inner editor and just focus on getting a rough draft done. It can be really inspiring for new writers or people who chronically start new stories without finishing old ones. But even established novelists use NaNoWriMo to test out new projects. It can be a lot of fun. (laughs) 
Last year, we talked a bit about our history with NaNoWriMo. I've participated every year since 2005, and I've even won a few years. It was really important to me in college and helped build my writing habits as an adult, and, you know, continues to kind of be really important in how I write. Robin, you've done it a couple years, but it's not quite your style, right? Yeah, I've even managed to win it a couple times, but both times I found that I needed to just rewrite everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? It's true that it really lets you practice making time for writing, and it shows you mm-hmm. that even 15 minutes can be enough to keep up momentum when it's a habit. Yeah. So while it's been really important to me over the years, I have a kind of complicated with relationship with Nano at this point. It used to be like the main way I would draft projects, and it was really inspiring. It was something that I looked forward to every year and really helped me develop a lot of the techniques I used to draft projects. Like I remember I would be active on the forums, which I don't even know if they're still a thing, but I'd be active on them like at least the month leading up. Like I would do all this prep, I'd be so involved. But I'm not really quite sure how NaNoWriMo fits into my current writing life. The upside to Nano is that it helps you finish that rough draft in a short time so you can get on to revising. And that's very important because many writers find it relatively easy to start projects but struggle with seeing them past those first few chapters, which I think we can all relate to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I certainly used to have this problem, but I don't really struggle with that so much anymore, probably partially because of all my years doing NaNoWriMo, I guess. Yeah. And I'm just not feeling the same inspiration from the challenge that I used to feel. Like, I don't, I'm not thinking of it, you know, months ahead of time. It's usually a like, crap, November's in a week, I gotta figure something out. (laughs) And I'm not kind of involved with community anymore. But at the same time, I don't want to abandon it. I've at least started a project every year since I heard about it in 2005, and I don't really want to stop now. (laughs) Yeah, I really hear that. I don't know what I'm doing with Nano this year. I think I'll be so busy with picture book stuff that it won't really fit in for me at all. But maybe I can use it as a chance to reestablish an everyday writing habit, uh, which of course I was so good at last year and just could not keep up this year. Even if I don't manage to get that to happen in in October right now, which is my goal, dang it, I could at least (laughs) imagine that I could do it in November. So what about you? What are you planning on doing? Well, the last few years I've done Nano, I've kind of used it to just like bulk up a project that I'd already either been working on for a while or had already at least started. Um, but this year, I have this thing I kind of want to do, this way of shifting the NaNoWriMo challenge so it fits my current writing patterns more, or just kind of like my current needs more, I guess. My idea is to embrace the month as basically an outlining month, because honestly, that's what those rough drafts kind of end up being for me. Very elaborate, sloppy outlines and free writes, which I then basically rewrite, kind of like you were saying. (laughs) Yeah. So instead of writing one cohesive narrative the whole month, I want to focus on different aspects of my project as the month progresses. Basically, each day I'll sit down and write about a different part of the story. Some days will be character-specific. Some days will focus on locations. Some days will focus on plot points. I may even write these prompts out ahead of time, kind of like how people do those drawing prompts for Drawtober, you know? Yeah. And I have a new project that I'm really excited to start on, so I think this might be a kind of fun way of developing it. And I mean, the other reason I'm kind of having trouble with NaNoWriMo this year specifically is that it kind of falls right in the middle of my revising of that D&D novel that I, you know, wrote last year for our challenge of writing novels in a year and then have kind of been, like, working on restarting this year. Yeah. And I'm not really sure that I'm kind of ready to shift to another project right now. I mean, a break to work on something else might be nice, but I don't know if it will like distract me too much and then I kind of won't want to go back to this. Um, 
But hell, if I feel too invested in my current project to let go, I may just use this outline method of it on that project instead of the new project and just kind of see what shakes out. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that idea. Trying to be really flexible about losing the sense of structure that an event like Nano can offer. Like, heck yeah. Well, I'm honor bound to push you through revisions and rewrites. I'm also excited for your new project. So there's no downside here as far as I can see. <laughs> yeah, I feel excited and, you know, I guess inspired kind of for either either project could be working on. So I think it will work out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And speaking of progress, I think we should give our progress reports, Robin. Do you want to start, since I just talked um, for far too long about Rymo? <laughs> I can let your voice rest, yeah. <laughs> so I have been finishing up a comic pitch, and I'm awaiting feedback on my picture book. So I'm, you know, just been in deadlines and busyness. But for the novel, I actually made a little progress, too. I'm hoping for October to be a big push for it, too. I just need to finish other life stuff, such as taxes. So fingers crossed. <laughs> I've been working uh, on a really thorough outline that incorporated the changes my agent had suggested. I have a pretty decent one so far, but it leaves this big hole in the middle where I can kind of flesh out all the themes with like ghost story set pieces, basically. So I made a document <laughs> with different columns. Other people might have used a spreadsheet, but that wouldn't make me feel like I'm in writing mode. So a document felt better for me, even <laughs> though it's definitely just I'm I'm turning it into a spreadsheet. Um and these columns are keeping track of, like, what kinds of ghost phenomenon do I want to cover, what the book's themes are, and then a list of character beats that I want to make sure are really clear so I can, like, cross-reference these as I outline that middle more specifically to make sure that each of the quote-unquote set pieces incorporate something from each category so that everything shows up. <laughs> I love this. I love this document uh, that you have. And I love your like set pieces of ghost things. This is all so delicious. <laughs> yeah, you should look at this document, though, because it it is hell. And it definitely has things that like no reader should ever see because it's just a really blunt, <laughs> shitty way of putting things. But it's like useful for me, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just making the list is helping me connect with my story and remind myself of what I'm trying to say. So even if I don't actually use it, because I may, I may not be able to handle that. <laughs> but even if I don't actually use it, at least I'll have this. Um, I will have done it. In that same way that when I was, oh my goodness, see, I haven't been in school for so long. Unlike Lucy, who's just constantly in school, all kinds of school. I, it's been <laughs> a long time for me. But I know that I used to take notes, and I would almost never refer back to those notes. But taking the note did so much to help like reinforce it for me. And this is kind of like that. <laughs> in our last episode where we talked about the heart and bones of a story, I think this is like this weirdly clinical way for me to try to keep track of those things, right? Like the character like the character beats are almost more of the plot <laughs> than anything else, right? And the ghost stuff is even that is kind of the plot. And then the themes in the middle are the heart, like the part of the story <laughs> yeah. that matters. And it's like, okay, so this is the stuff that needs to be here because it's why I'm writing the book. And these are these other two categories of things I want to have in there because it's like what the book is like, what the book is using to get at those themes, right? Which is these two really distinctive characters and this interesting, like, kind of ghost mythology. I mean, I hope it's interesting. I think it's interesting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so how about you? You said you started. Yes. So I finally started draft two of my D&D &D novel, <laughs> oh, 
which uh, really needs a better working title. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking about It does about not this. need a better working title. <laughs> D&D novel is fine. It needs a better title title at the end. But sure. As a working title, it's like fine. <laughs> okay. Um, Lucy's D&D book. Yes. <laughs> the best title. <laughs> so... I've started it. I'm only a few pages in, um, but th- so far it's actually like flowing pretty well. I kind of had a false start where I was sort of trying to force the beginning and it just kind of wasn't a great, I don't know, atmosphere where I was trying to write, especially for like that kind of just getting into a project thing. I was a little distracted. Um, so I ended up just kind of like setting back and I think I was actually like listening to other podcasts or something where people were talking about maybe even like the craft of writing or something. And I just had that moment where like a scene pops into your head and you can kind of already start writing it in your mind yeah, and stuff. That's the good and shit. I let it... Yeah, it is the good shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of just let it sit a little and then um, I wrote up that scene and like a little bit beyond that. And so it kind of feels like I've at least got a good handle on it. Um, If you'll remember, uh, this is the thing I've been working on since last year. I've gotten some feedback that it would work better in first person instead of, you know, third person like it's currently written. And I think that feedback is right on. Um, So for this second draft, I've been playing around with alternating first person perspectives, which is something I don't think I've ever actually done before. I've written in first person. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, I've written in first person, but not like multiple characters in first person. Um, So that's kind of a fun challenge. And I am kind of looking forward to that. so far, I haven't actually gotten to that second character, um, but we'll see how their voice works out and, and how I kind of, like, am able to balance those those two characters and sort of make it feel like you know that you're in a new new um, perspective. Because I have a pet peeve where you will have those alternating perspectives, even if it's third person, and if you can't, like, tell right away whose perspective you're from i feel like it has failed and you maybe shouldn't have made this decision and i really don't want to like have that happen so i have to eat all my words Uh, yeah yeah it's a it's a fun thing that we have in common that both of our projects are alternating between two characters and and both of us are alternating between perspectives of characters who are like ultimately going to have a relationship with each other too yeah. And yeah. it's it's fun. Like, it's fun to write about people falling in love with each other rather than writing about somebody falling in love with a character who is kind of abstracted and, like, less fully realized. Um, it's, it's, it's why I'm doing it this way. And I think mm-hmm. that for you, you have, like, these two really interesting – like, they have really different stories. Like, they're both going through something really, really different and D&D is where they're intersecting. And I that works for me really well. Like, I love <laughs> that. Um But yeah, like trying to make sure that those two voices are really distinct, like that'll be something that we can talk about more as we're going through that, right? In in future episodes, we can talk about what we've ended up doing to make them feel distinct. Because I know that for me, there are like words that I only use with one or the other character, and that one of them is a nerd for like sci-fi and fantasy, so he'll relate things to Star Trek, and the other one like would never do that. Um, and <laughs> but he might talk about music a little bit more, and just like has this level. Like whenever I'm writing the the one character, I'm always thinking of like, okay, he sort of thinks that he is a cool, hard boiled detective, but without actual like noir speak. So if I didn't use actual fake noir patois right like how would he be talking um i just like always have that in mind is like that's where that's how he is and it helps a little bit to just like really try to inhabit those characters when i'm writing them 
Yeah, when I've had to do this in the past in like third person, but with alternating characters, I've even had so far gone so far as to have like rules about punctuation. I think I've mentioned this before, but I have a character, there's a note somewhere on, I think it fell off, but that was like, so-and-so does not use um, semicolons. So I just like decided (laughs) that this character, anything, and I love semicolons. Yes, you do. So it was was also a good exercise in me having to like, okay, no, you have to use an M dash. No, these are just separate sentences. Now this could maybe be a comma and it's not grammatically correct, but it fits their talking style, whatever. But it kind of forced me with that character, at least, to kind of like really like focus in on the the physical look of the dialogue or the the narration, um, yes. not just like what is being said. I also had some rules about like what that what kind of words that character was more likely to use than the other one and stuff. Um, but with first person, it's going to be like even more important and, <laughs> and um, probably harder. So I'm kind of excited, and I mean these are different characters, so I have to like get to know them to that level where I can say no, they will not use. Emma dashes or, or what? Yes, yes, yeah. You have to get to know them really well, and I think that's interesting also because like you're gonna have whenever you write in first person, you're already kind of writing two characters because you're always mm-hmm. writing how they talk to themselves and how they mm-hmm. talk to other people. Yeah, that's true. And thought about that, blowing my mind, Robin. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I hope I didn't make it harder because that's the kind of thing that comes really naturally if you don't think about it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But no, overthinking this... it is what we do. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's a term for the type of writing I tend to do. I think it's like free and direct or something. I took a writing class and it's it's kind of when you have a third person, but a really close third person. So sometimes the narration is describing it like as if it is from the perspective of the character. I'm not probably describing it very well, yeah. but I was I was in a writing class with a bunch of people who don't read YA. And I think it comes up more in YA and they were all like, I can't tell this line makes me think maybe this is actually being written by the main character from the future. And I was like, what? How? How is this confusing? You're like, this is close in third person (laughs) where you are in their perspective, but you're not writing it directly as a narration from them. But you understand that you're seeing it from their perspective just but in third person, not first person. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that, like, if you're overthinking it, it could get hard. But if you're not overthinking it, you're like, it's, I don't know, it's not only natural, it's literally how all books actually are. It's just that, <laughs> you know, like, any book is always written with the biases and perspective of the author. And mm-hmm. if you're doing this more close in to a character, it's like it, the author is more honest about the artifice of it not just being themselves, but the specific character who they're seeing things through. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's also like all the kind of genre conventions that come into play, which even if you're not sitting down to write towards a specific genre, like you will tend to know more about the, you know, whatever you read, you're t- going to tend to write a little bit more like that. And like, so even if you're not sure, oh, this is definitely a young adult, like when you sit down to write it, like, I think it's going to kind of seep in and those things really are different. Like some, like the way some sci-fi is written will be very different from like how, you know, capital R romance is written. And yeah. there may be some that overlap and the overlap ones may appeal to like wildly different audiences than either of the other extremes, but there's still like the things you expect and don't expect in a, within a, a little genre or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's or market market, I guess, in the case of young adult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> tangent, one of the reasons I like writing young adult is that it's a market, not a genre. So I could be a young adult author and very easily write sci-fi, fantasy, contemporary, romance, like as yeah. long as I was kind of keeping within um, the like the age range and the, the the appropriate themes and everything, it gives more freedom than just being like adult literature or something. <laughs> yeah. No, we often talk about like how messy the different markets and different genres end up being because it's like the the marketing term side of it is so so different from the experience of wanting to write a book, right? Yeah. And some of <laughs> us get kind of invested in the again, like the conventions of these markets and genres and like seeing it from the industry point of view can actually make it, you know, like we maybe get inspired to creativity from that. And other people feel like that's just constraints and constrictions that really bother them and they don't want to think about that stuff. And you kind of don't have to. It's just you'll have to adapt things either way. Like you're gonna have to revise <laughs> and edit no matter what. This might be one of the things you revise and edit. It's not that big of a deal. It's always gonna be something don't stress about it. Um, but it is interesting to think about like how YA, which is not a genre, but is a market, allows for so much more freedom mm. than if you were an adult who had been writing only hard sci-fi novels and suddenly you wrote a romance novel, you might need a different agent. You might need or your agent yeah. is gonna have to learn an entirely different like market of people, like publishers who they're gonna send it to, an entirely different sense of like and that could work out for people. Like I think that crossing genres can be really, really great for writers, but I think it also there are so many writers who do different things under completely different names. Um the the rest in peace Ian Banks, but Ian Banks and Ian M. Banks were the same person and he added a middle initial depending on whether he was writing the sort of like horror thriller stuff or his very specific sci-fi uh, universe in order to keep them straight so that people would know what they were getting into and didn't have to necessarily read something assuming it was going to be like his culture novels, but it was <laughs> actually about whatever bioterrorism or whatever thing he was writing yeah. about. I think it's also something to kind of think of, uh, at least keep in mind when you're like finding your, your writing group or your beta readers or whatever, like, if they don't know anything about the type of writing you are writing, you may still be able to get, you know, useful, you know, really insightful commentary out of them. But there may be things that they tell you are, like, wrong or don't make sense that are actually totally right and do totally make sense if you're within the context in which those normally happen. Yes. Um, like, I've heard lots of horror stories from people who go to a writing program that doesn't specialize in kid lit, but they write kid lit. And then they get lots and lots of feedback that's basically just, why are you writing kid lit? But no one's saying that. They just don't know how to edit kid lit or how to critique kid lit. And yeah, so like you still can get really useful. Sometimes I've gotten really great suggestions from friends who don't read whatever genre I'm writing in just because they're not like trapped in the conventions or whatever. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, it's, it's why it's important to have like writing groups and like agents and editors that actually like know what you're going for. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so I think we got a little off topic, but Robin, it's time for homework assignments. <laughs> All right. So for you, I think you need to focus on that daily writing habit goal that you were yeah. kind of talking about, maybe yeah. or semi-daily. I don't know that you need to do it every single day. Rest is important. <laughs> and it's the ghost season, and you're a gothy ghost girl, so settle into that <laughs> atmosphere of fall and let your ghosty story flow. <laughs> Thank you. And you just need to keep writing, like write mm. those prompts for yourself to to make not nano go smoothly. Like if you were thinking about doing that, set some time aside this month to do that. But mostly just keep doing it. Keep writing. You got this. You're in it again. You fought <laughs> yeah. that battle and you're in it. 
<laughs> yeah, I need to work on those daily writing habits also. <laughs> yes. I think that's I think we're giving each other the same homework and that is fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So thank you for joining us in the right place, which is wherever you happen to be. At the right time, which is whatever time you've got. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at RightPlacePod or on our individual Twitter accounts, Lucy in Bookland and Robin Robinsonia. Happy writing! Thank you.